0: Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Bree Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Caesar Midlife. I am so glad you are here today. Okay, so do you have a bucket list? The other day I was at Starbucks with my little guy, and over coffee, we were having a conversation about bucket lists, big bucket lists, macro bucket lists, I call them like the things you want to do in your lifetime, and then tiny bucket lists that I call micro-bucket lists, the things that are really achievable in the near future, like a summer bucket list, which is part of what Drake and I were talking about. But we had the best time chatting about both of the lists. And my favorite one on his list was that he wants to go on an Emirates flight, an international flight where you can sleep in one of those suites And I'm like, where did he even come up with this? But I love it. And I hope that in my lifetime, I get to see him achieve that and check it off his bucket list because that is so awesome. I've never heard of a seven-year-old having something like that on their bucket list. But anyways, it's funny because as he and I were talking and I started crafting my new bucket list with him and in my own head, I was like getting stuck on one or two things that I could think of that I wanted to put on the list, the macro bucket list. And I think the reason why I wasn't like overflowing with ideas is that over the years, I have been super intentional about my bucket list. I think that you probably already know that I really live my life like every day is just, you know, the day to live out loud and live the fullest. And so I have been super intentional about my bucket list. And so the things that had been on my bucket list have now moved to my bucket did list. Bucket dids. And I honestly think the list of bucket dids is almost better than the bucket list itself because I feel like it reminds you of how far you've come and how much you've already done in your life thus far. And I think when you start making your list, you're going to be like, aha, yes. And I remember the exact moment that I decided to get super intentional about my bucket list. This was back at our house in Wisconsin. And I was on the treadmill watching a show, must have been like a nature show or something, because they started talking about pink dolphins. And I was like, there are pink dolphins? Oh my gosh, I need to see these pink dolphins. And I literally like paused the treadmill, walked into my office, got a sticky note and wrote like pink dolphins, because I wanted to research how on earth we were gonna see these pink dolphins, because I needed to see the pink dolphins. That was at the top of my bucket list. So that next year, my sister and I set out on a trip to see the pink dolphins in the wild, in their natural habitat. And this trip was not an easy one. We had to take multiple planes and drive down, you know, dusty roads and take a small boat down the Amazon River. But you guys, guess what? We saw seven pink dolphins in one day. To be honest, though, I don't think actually sitting in that boat seeing those pink dolphins was the best part of it. I mean, they're actually like a pinkish gray, (laughs) but that's not the point. The point is that the biggest thrill of this was two parts for me, actually. The best was the planning and the researching. How on earth I was going to get this checked off my bucket list? How I was going to get out to the Amazon and see these pink dolphins? That was so exciting. And the second part was that I got to see my dream and my vision that i have been planning for for months come true. I got to check that off the bucket list. And that was really empowering and really exciting. Don't you agree? So anyways, more intentional bucket lists followed this one. Some were small, like run a 5K, which I actually ended up running too. And I I feel like I'm kind of pulling the wool over your eyes by saying the word run because I'm a really slow, like slow as molasses jogger. But I did it across the finish line. I wasn't last. So I am checking that off the bucket list. And some of the things on the bucket list, the intentional bucket list that followed seeing the pink dolphins were big, like driving a old fashioned car down the streets of Havana. And oh, I can't wait to share with you that hot pink car. And I know it won't even capture how cool it felt to be in that car in Havana. And another one was seeing the salt flats in Bolivia. And if you just Google these salt vats, you're going to be like, holy, wow, that was also on my sister's bucket list. So that was one that we were like, we are going to Bolivia to see the salt flats." And the truth is, whenever I feel scared or nervous or I literally just can't sleep, I close my eyes and I just reflect on these moments, these dreams that had come true. And there is a picture that almost always settles at the forefront of my mind. And it is me standing, looking out over the vast, expansive salt flats. This trip was hard. Logistically, it was the hardest trip I've ever taken in my life. We took so many planes and battled crazy altitudes. But that day was magical. We danced on the water that just glistened to the top of the salt flats. We cheered glasses of wine with new friends as the sun set. And we watched a giant plume of pink flamingos fill the sky. I didn't even know that flamingos flew until that moment. It was magical. It was worth it. It was a bucket list coming to reality, and that was amazing. And I'm always going to have a bucket list. I'm in my mind adding to it right now, even though it only has two things on it. At this moment, I'm adding to it. And I think we should all have at least two bucket lists, the big macro one and the smaller micro one. But I think even more important than those things on those bucket lists is your bucket did list. So maybe your bucket did list wasn't even intentional for you. Maybe you weren't like, I'm going to set out to go do whatever. But I think if you let your mind wander to the things that you've done in your life, there are experiences that you can put on that bucket dead list and you can feel really good about. So two of those for me that I like did not say these are bucket lists, but I did, and frankly, I'm never going to do again, are ziplining, which I've done a couple different times. I'm I'm over it. I hate being scared. <laughs> and secondly was skydiving, which was insane. Um In that, I I think I've told you before, I have to tell you guys that story sometime because it's crazy. But those are on my bucket did list, even though I was not intentional about them being on my original bucket list. I'm putting them on the bucket did list. So I just want to say to you, I really want you to make these three lists. Like even right now, if you pause this episode and you make three columns on a piece of paper, in a notebook, in a journal, your macro bucket list, your micro bucket list, and then your bucket did list. Or even better, open up your notes section on your phone and make the list there. I personally, as much as I'm like old-fashioned and I write everything down, I like to have that on my phone because I feel like things come to me at bizarre times and then I can just add to it. And so just, I would encourage you to do that. In all honesty, I really wanna hear about your list. I want to know what have you already done? What's on the bucket did list? And how did those things make you feel? Did you feel brave? Did you feel free? Did you feel fun? Full of wonder? I think those feelings are what we chase with bucket lists. That's why always adding to those lists is so exciting. So your micro bucket list, I think, should be super tackleable. Is that a word? Tackleable? I. Don't Oh, but I'm using that as a word. Anyways, I think it should be something that you can achieve, you know, several of the things in this next year. So maybe it's going to see a site in your state or in your city that you've never been to, that you've always wanted to go to. Um, Or maybe it's trying a new kind of food that you've never tried, like Honduran food or Ethiopian food or something. Those things should be super achievable. When you can cross those things off your list, you feel a sense of accomplishment and achievement. So I think that's really good. And I've said before, trying new things, even when they're small or going places, which is part of why I love field trips, it gives you this burst of dopamine. And dopamine in large amounts in our brains makes us feel good. It makes us feel happy. So doing those things is so important. Okay, so around the same time that Drake and I are having coffee at Starbucks, that same week, I am on a walk and I am listening to Marie Forleo's podcast and she has on two guests and one of the guests is Chris Guillebeau. I think I'm saying that right, Guillebeau. Anyways, he had a quest to go to every country in the world. And I don't know about you, but I didn't realize how few people have done this. It's like less than 100 people in the whole world have been able to accomplish this. And there are, I think, 195 official countries now. But at the time when he did this, I think it was 193. It took years for him to do this, which is a huge undertaking in and of itself. But as he was on his personal quest, he realized that there was something more, something bigger them than himself that started to unfold and it was understanding and interviewing people who had taken quests different quests than him and when he talked about having a quest he talked about how having a quest can bring meaning and fulfillment to one's life and when i heard that i was hooked he said that when he decided to undertake the quest of going to see all the countries in the world His life was good and he was actually pretty happy. But he did feel this like certain level of discontent and just this yearning for something more. And that really spoke to me because you guys, those are the sentiments you all have been sharing with me about how you've been feeling in midlife. Like your life is happy and it's good. But you don't feel satisfied. You have kind of this discontent. You want something more. You feel like your life is really full, but it's not fulfilling. So I was super intrigued because I saw the correlation between how you all said you were feeling and how he described how he was feeling before he set out on this quest. But also, I was intrigued for my own personal sake that I also have this yearning for something bigger than myself. So I went and bought his book like right away. And his book is called The Happiness of Pursuit, which I think is really interesting because it's not called The Pursuit of Happiness. It's called The Happiness of Pursuit because it's the pursuit that created the happiness, which I just think is so awesome. Anyways, I don't know if you guys like to read, but I personally have always – loved to read back since I was a little girl. Although admittedly, I read a lot less now that I watch Netflix in bed on my phone. No, seriously, like on my little phone is where I watch all my shows. And I need to get better about that put down my phone and read more books. But that's beside the point. So I typically am always reading two books at the same time. I'm reading a fun book, like a nonfiction book, and then I read a book where I feel like this book is going to make me better. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to have a takeaway. So like a business book, a memoir, a personal development book, something like that. And typically my learning book is my slow read. Like it takes me several months to get through it because I'm always more likely to pick up the fun book. But not with this book, which I was considering kind of my learning book at the time. I knew I really liked this book because I finished it before the fun book. I picked that book up first. And I think I folded like 50% of the pages to come back to. I was just so fascinated with different people's quests and the way that the quests grew into something more and just how vastly different each person's quest was. There were these just ginormous quests, like one guy who walked from Maine to California or another guy who his quest was to run 250 marathons in one year. And I think that that's how we all kind of first think about a quest, right? Like, oh, it's going to be this giant thing. But the truth is they don't have to be a giant thing. Your quest should meet you where you are at because – I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't ditch my responsibilities to go walk or bike from Alaska to Patagonia. There was was a couple in the book that actually did that with their kids. They biked from Alaska to Patagonia. Oh my gosh. Wow. Good for them. That's not not the quest for me. I'm guessing it's not the quest for you either. But I think that hearing the way all these different quests manifested was so interesting. So for example, there was Sandy in the book and her quest to me felt a lot more manageable. She was actually let go from her job and instead of going and finding another job right away, she decided that she was going to take this hobby she had of taking photographs and she was going to travel all of Route 66 and take pictures along the way. That is a quest that is achievable. And there was another woman in the book, her name was Julie, and she trained her own guide dog. I mean, gosh, that's so cool and so specific to her, the way that quest should be so specific to you personally. But there's one woman's quest that I found myself on several occasions talking about with my friends and with my family. And that was the quest of Sasha, Sasha Martin. Sasha was living in Oklahoma. But she had had a international background and she felt like living in Oklahoma, she was really missing that. But she was married and she had a small child, so she couldn't go traveling around, you know, she couldn't move to a different country. She couldn't go visit all the countries of the world. But she decided she was going to make a meal from every country in the world, starting with the letter A. And her quest grew, and it grew Sasha, which is part of what I found so fascinating. So, okay, not only did she have to do a ton of research in finding the recipes for these meals and, you know, getting the ingredients and all of that, but she also really learned about the culture. She would learn about the music. She would play the music while she was making the meal. And the word got out about her project, her quest. People wanted to be part of it. Friends wanted to come over and share the meal. People of the culture of the food that she was making wanted to be part of it. And Sasha started sharing her recipes online so others could follow along. And before she knew it, Sasha was on stages speaking about this quest and the whole shape Of her life changed, and she never really left her house. So cool. Since that time, she's actually written two books. One of them is actually a National Geographic book of the recipes from around the world. How cool is that? And my guess is that when Sasha started this quest, she could have never imagined the way that her path would unfold and how big and bigger than herself it was gonna be. And as I've been thinking so much about quests since reading this book, I thought also of my neighbor down the street. Her name is Marissa. And when she turned 40, she got very adamant and was really enthusiastic that by the time she turned 50, she wanted to have seen all 50 states. She calls her quest 50 by 50. I mean, I don't think Marissa ever labeled this adventure, or this goal, a quest. But that's what it is. And I love it. I'm here for it. And what I think has also been really cool to witness is the way that her family and friends have rallied behind her to help make this dream, this quest, come true. And there is something so incredible. There is such a sense of power in finishing something. Too often our goals are just really ambiguous, and so we don't get that feeling of like, yes, checked it off the list the way that we can when we accomplish a whole quest. Okay, so what I also adore about a quest is the way that it captures the concept of time. I have always been somebody that has said that time is our most precious gift, and you will hear that from me over and over again because I believe it so strongly. And Chris, the author of the book, says that people who undertake quests all share a common ideology about time, that they recognize the need to live life with a sense of urgency. And guys, I think in midlife, this – sense of urgency becomes even more urgent and even more apparent, doesn't it? I don't know. Do you feel intrigued by this idea? Because I have been so intrigued by it. Are you saying to yourself, my gosh, could I undertake a quest? And what would my quest be? I was at book club the other night and we were all kind of talking about it and it was so fun. It's such a fun thing to break down and to brainstorm about. And so if you're like, oh, gosh, I just have no idea, Chris says first just really try to imagine what your quest would be. Think of what you really like. Maybe think of what you don't like. Think about what excites you or what you feel passionate about, that thing that you think about all the time. So I recently saw on Instagram, actually, This couple that was traveling around the world, which in this day and age of digital nomads is not unusual. What made this couple unusual is their quest. Their quest, which was born from something they didn't like. They didn't like seeing garbage all over our beautiful world. And so they decided that every country they went to, they were going to make it their quest, their mission to pick up garbage, that they were going to be a small part of the solution to this thing that they didn't like. And that was going to be their quest. Their quest was driven from not what they particularly loved, it was what they didn't like seeing in their travels. So that's one way to think about your quest too. Is there something that you feel strongly about, about changing, about changing the world, about changing in life? Okay, so Chris says that quests should definitely have a clear goal. Sometimes they require sacrifice. In fact, I think most of them do. And that they need to have a deadline. So for my friend Marissa in the neighborhood, she has 8.5 years left to see the 50 states. And when she and I chatted, she had 28 left, but she already had a plan to see three more this year alone. So she'll be halfway through with eight years left, which is really cool. I love that. And that's that like clear deadline goal, um, That she's really set for herself, which I think is awesome. Okay. One thing that I like so much about the idea of undertaking a quest is that it feels like the perfect cure for midlife malaise, as I like to call it. That idea that life kind of right now is like super routine or blah, or like some of you have used the term being on the hamster wheel. I feel like having a quest, like if you could have a quest, you would wake up and you'd feel excited because you'd be doing the research for the quest. You'd be, you know, figuring out how you're going to make these things happen. You'd be checking things off your list. And all of a sudden, you're going to have this renewed excitement and the midlife boredom will be cured. So I just, that's part of why I felt so compelled for the past couple weeks to record this episode. Because I was thinking about all of you and the sentiments you shared with me about midlife, blah. (laughs) Okay. And when I get an idea, I kind of start to obsess about it. So I don't know if any of you are like that, but I really have started obsessed about this idea of a quest. And I'm like, what is my quest going to be? And I think I've mentioned to you all that I speak Spanish. And so – All these years that my sister and I have traveled, we've never gone to any country that wasn't Spanish-speaking. We always go somewhere that speaks Spanish. So my first instinct was to say, oh, I'm going to go to every Spanish-speaking country in the world. Okay, there are 21 Spanish-speaking countries. And I have seven left. I'm like, seven left? I mean, that's pretty easy. I think I'll start there. But then, when I mentioned that to Andy, he's like, I'm pretty sure the whole point of a quest is that it's not supposed to be easy. And he's probably right. So then I was like, okay, maybe I should go see every country in the Americas. I know that's bigger. There are 35 countries in the Americas, and I have 17 left to see. That's a lot. And I really only can go to like one, maybe two countries a year um because i have 3 kids but you know i feel like even if the timeline's long like having something like that is exciting and i know at the same time i could check some things that are on my bucket list off by going to those countries but i'm still googling and i'm still daydreaming trying to realize like think about is this the right quest for me what's the right quest for me okay so this isn't going to feel like a total sidebar story but i feel like it's an important piece Okay. So when I was living in Mexico, this is like way back when, um, my two friends and I took the bus down to Chiapas, which is way down like on the Guatemalan border. And at the time that we were doing this, it was the Zapatista revolution. So it was probably not the smartest or best time to be taking a bus down there. But this trip has stood with me, stuck with me all these years later on so many levels. But I think the most prominent one is this experience that my friends and I had where we got to camp with the indigenous Lankondon people in the middle of the jungle. And when I say camp, I mean like a sheet and like sticks. <laughs> it was Very, very primitive. But the truth was this was an incredible, a unique, and honestly a really humbling experience. And since that time, I've just had this like total interest in indigenous communities. And I've been lucky enough to experience many more since then. I've gone to Guatemala a lot of times. I have a very special relationship with Guatemala. And so I've had some really incredible experiences with the Mayan people, making tortillas with them. I had a Mayan woman wrap my hair in textiles just a lot of beautiful experiences. Andy and I got to dance with the Embera people in Panama, which was really great too, and Maddie, my sister, and my friend Danielle and I actually shot what are those dart guns, blow dart guns I think they're called in an indigenous village in the Ecuadorian Amazon, which was very cool. And Maddie and I also spent some time with a family in their home in Tyrona in Colombia, So it's just been this long interest in indigenous communities. So I've kind of been like fascinated with this because there is just something that I'm really struck by and that's how in this day and age of iPhones and Xboxes and Wi-Fi, that there are people living off the grid they are maintaining their customs and their cultures and their languages and their belief systems all these years later in the midst of the noise and the chaos and the technology. And I feel that we should be fiercely protecting these cultures because it's, it seems like against all odds that they are still surviving. And there are still – there are so few still surviving. So I've been thinking, like, should my quest incorporate some piece of indigenous communities? And I did feel a little bit like, okay, is this ethical? And so I did some research, and it turns out that tourism is actually one of the best and most sustainable ways to protect the indigenous cultures because what what has kind of been happening is that people in these communities are having to leave to work in the cities, And so they're changing the way that they dress and they're bringing in modern kind of thoughts and things back to their communities or maybe they're living away from their communities just permanently. Or you see, you know, in the Amazon especially, people losing their land to logging, for example. And so this tourism is a way for them to celebrate and protect their cultures. So as I've been doing this, like, deep dive into the indigenous cultures because I love research so much. is one of my very favorite things. Um, I have found that there are these indigenous people around the world. I think there's like seven or something different groups that are matriarchal. You guys, isn't that so cool? So the women kind of rule the roost and the land gets passed down, you know, among the women and if they marry, the men take on their name. So fascinating. So anyways, I am asking myself, gosh, should that be part of my quest? I don't know. And my guess is by the time this episode airs, I still won't know. So if you want to weigh in, heck, I would love to hear your opinion. Or maybe it's something totally different that you think that I should undertake as a quest, but I'm currently obsessing about it. (laughs) And I – don't want this conversation to end right here. This has been a long solo episode for me because I feel so strongly about how these bucket lists can really make you feel excited and a quest even more so in changing the shape of the way you look at midlife. So if you have undertaken a quest or you have an idea for a quest, will you please send me an email? Frida. B-R-I-T-A, Brita, there at hotmail.com or DM me. I would love, 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 love to be part of your quest. Okay. I am going to put in the show notes today the book that I was talking about. That's Chris's book that has made me want to record this episode. And I'm also going to put Sasha's blog with the recipes from around the world because I think it's so neat. Okay, and I just want to end with this. So when I first started asking my kids about a quest, we were driving in the car and I looked in the rearview mirror and I said, hey, guys, what do you think of when you think of a quest? And their answer was something about looking for a treasure. And I love that metaphor because every single quest, every single one, No matter whether it fails or succeeds, it leads to a treasure or many treasures inside yourself and outside yourself as well. And that is just so cool. So I just want to say thank you so much, my friends, for being here today and listening to this episode. And I just encourage you to find that request that belongs just to you. And if you get a chance, will you just so kindly go on your podcast app and follow the podcast and just give it a rating. It just click, click, click the stars. It's something really small, but it actually helps a lot because it helps bring the Caesar Med Life podcast up to the top of searches. And that means more women will find us and more women will join in on this conversation. And the more women that join in on this conversation, the fuller it will be. Thank you so much.